I, I think what it's going to take to really, truly convince me is I'm going to have to see just how well she performs uh, with with the uh, thong bottom of the unitard crammed way up her ass. The uh, teenage boy in me would love to see that. This is Whatever Podcast, episode 14. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot of content to go over today. Um, we want to start out, though, today, uh, before we really get into the bulk of the show, uh, we want to thank the musicians of the band Dead Nexus. that uh, you may have noticed with our last episode. Um, the guys uh, pretty much are... Uh, they're, they're, they're a hell of a metal band at this point. Um, local guys, um, this is... For this show, uh, rather than trying to you know go out and purchase rights to use music or anything like that, um, since we are very much a grassroots operation, uh, it's it's better for us if we can give back to others in the community, and that's what we've done here. We're gonna um, use these guys' um, music in, in our shows, and we're gonna actually uh, pimp their shit, so to speak, <laughs> going yep. forward. So, um, at the end of the last episode, I dropped in a little thing towards the very, very end of the thing, just basically thanking Dead Nexus, and we want to thank that Dead Nexus again. Um, I had a chance to listen to the album, and if you like some hard rockin' heavy metal shit, like that, that that's your jam. Go check it out. Um, we've got a link to the show notes in the last episode, and I'll stick another link to their Facebook page in the show notes for this episode as well. And like I said, I mean they're just good hardcore metal, you know, uh, uh, group. And so Matt, I think, is friends with one of the guys. Yeah. 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 Um, and he he reached out basically and said, you know, we're doing a show do you, do you want to maybe uh, um, have some music on the show? And so I, I went through a few of the tracks and I, I came up with one I liked. It sounds really good. I think for uh, the type of show we're doing. So thanks again, dead nexus. Um, like I said, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. so You guys can check them out. Absolutely. They do have a couple of shows coming up pretty soon. I don't necessarily want to drop dates right now just because of uh, timing. Uh, we may not get the show posted uh before their next show comes up and I don't want to I don't want to be advertising something that you can't go to yeah um, but for sure check out their Facebook and if if you like their sound keep an eye on them follow them on Facebook and uh, and go see them live when you can get a chance yeah totally so all right what do we got man oh uh, we have so much stuff this week um so let's talk about the first thing the first thing is actually a link i threw in there um we were talking about cg and i think cg has come up in many episodes we've talked about now we've talked about um this shitty cg in the um prequel trilogy the the star wars prequel trilogy we've talked about uh you know good examples of cg in jurassic park and i think i specifically said something like um the good cg is the cg you don't notice uh so just uh, through happenstance, I happened to come across this link. Um, I think it popped up on Reddit uh, last week. And it shows um, lots of good examples of how CG is used and what makes good CG good and bad CG bad. So um, what'd you think? Is there anything that was really eye-opening, really surprising there for you? Uh, no. It's like we've, we've talked about a lot of the stuff already. Um, just 
honestly, you you hit the nail on the head when you said the best CG is the CG you don't notice. Um, I'm going to kind of segue this into a little bit of a uh, of a tangent. Not not I don't want to spend too much time on it too, but anybody that's making films that may hear this, the same thing that we're talking about with CG can be applied to 3D as well. Not oh. everything has to be 3D. God, and yes. when you do use 3D, use it in a way that enhances the film but doesn't take over the film. Um, I was thinking don't, the other day about... Don't use it as a way to gener- generate three more dollars of ticket sales. Yeah. I, I was I was uh, thinking about this the other day, and one of the movies that I saw that actually really used the, the 3D well, in my opinion, um, was the first of the Hobbit trilogy. It's the only one of the trilogy that I actually saw in 3D, um, but it didn't seem like the 3D was was the entire film. Uh, they used it a lot when it was in, they were doing like big sweeping panoramic views, things like that, um, and it worked out really well. Uh, and I didn't feel like I was gonna necessarily get uh, you know dwarf beard hair in my food while I was eating. <laughs> Which, so that's kind of ironic because if you wanted it, what I would have called a bad or an example of bad CG in a movie, The Hobbit, especially when you compare it to the um, um, Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's just night and day. Like I, I found the Hobbit CG very, very distracting and very poorly done uh, in comparison, especially to, I mean, it's it's bad in any case, I think, but especially when you compare it to the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, um, just so much worse. So good, good use of 3D, terrible use of CG. Yeah, which, you know, <laughs> there's a funny little dichotomy for you, but yeah, um, like I said, if you guys are re- uh, listening, watch the, watch the video because it's really interesting, and you're going to hear a lot of think the types of things that Matt and I talk about um, as far as good CG and bad CG. I, I I really it surprised me how much this video was like right up in my brain. Um, and there were a couple of cool examples too. Um, like I think I can't remember if this came up in the video itself or in the comments thread on Reddit, but uh, one of the jokes they mentioned was. Um, on 30 Rock, if you ever watched the show 30 Rock, which I did, it was a pretty funny show. Um, they did a joke, something along the lines of saying something like, yeah, only a bunch of cheap, shitty shows shoot everything on a green screen. And then for a second, it was like a glitch and it cut the background, you know, and you could see that 30 Rock was shooting on a green screen and they do all the time, which was funny because, you know, they were kind of highlighting that, yes, if you do it well, it's not something you're going to notice. But, you know, they sort of highlighted that in the thing. So anyway, right. Good stuff. <laughs> Um, so go check out the video. Uh, like, like Eddie said, you'll, you'll see what we're talking about a lot of the time when we, when we talk about an appropriate, you know, CG usage versus too much, uh, or sometimes too little. You, you can have too little sometimes depending on what your goal is, but, uh, less is more, um, most often. Uh, we have a bunch of Marvel stuff, um, actually between, um, well, let's just kind of jump in with the X-Men part. Um, since we did a callback to the last episode with the CG video, we're going to do another callback to uh, something that I was talking to Ed about. Um, Eddie about, and that is Olivia Munn. Uh, you know, he's, he, I don't, I don't want to say he's been down on her. He's not been entirely convinced by any performances he's seen from her so far. Um, I, I posted some, some training videos of, uh, of her working out. Uh, for her role as Psylocke in the upcoming uh, X-Men Apocalypse movie. Um, the second link from the Daily Mail is actually the first one that I saw, and it's kind of funny because she's doing some sword twirling. Um, meanwhile, uh, 
Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, who also happens to be her boyfriend, is behind her with a kendo stick, trying not at all successfully to mimic her movement. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's pretty humorous. And then the next one is uh, is a little bit of uh, some uh, striking uh, martial arts strikes that she's doing with a uh, with a trainer to to get prepped for it. So uh, check those out um, if you if you want to see where she's at in terms of, of actually being Psylocke at this point. Yeah, actually I will go farther and say, yeah, I have not been a big fan of um, Olivia Munn being cast in the thing um, because I hadn't been really impressed with her previously, but these two videos were sort of eye opening for me. Um, the first off the, the video with the strikes, I think that's the first one we're going to link in the show notes um, where she's sort of, you know, going against a sparring partner uh, basically that was really impressive. I thought she looks really quick. She looks really agile. Um, it looks like she could do well in the role. And then you see her with the sword footage that you were talking about before. And, and yes, it just sort of highlights how well she's actually preparing for the movie when you've got her, um, you know, athletic boyfriend standing right behind her, totally fucking it up. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was really surprised, uh, pleasantly surprised rather by this. I, I think what it's going to take to really, truly convince me is I'm going to have to see just how well she performs uh, with with the uh, thong bottom of the unitard crammed way up her ass as, like, like Psylocke usually has. Do you, do you the think they'll do that, though? No. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've, they've sort of eschewed, and first off, don't, I, I don't, you know, while the, the uh, teenage boy in me would love to see that, uh, I can totally understand why nobody should really want those types of things. Like, um, gosh, I'll have to find a link or if I remember, I'll find a link to the, um, the, uh, there's a, I don't remember what page it is, but it's a sort of realistic female armor page. And it's kind of showing, you know, the silliness of female armor and costumes and comics and games and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's kind of an interesting, uh, little little side note on that when i was a teenager i had wizard magazine and as 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 teenage me who read comic books a lot and with the artists that we had drawing comic books back then like i didn't really need playboy or anything like that i mean there, right. there was there was some some very uh we'll, we'll say well rendered women <laughs> those artists yeah managed we still to, get this uh, today to like, conjure up um we still get this a lot today with things like the um, Scarlett Johansson pose. There, there's another very humorous panel. I think it's actually on the, the if I can find the site I'm thinking of, I think it's on there. It shows the rest of the Avengers posing like how they always pose Scarlett for any of the press junkets and, and, and you know, posters and shit like that, which is basically the, you know, stick your ass out and look back uh, pose which she's kind of famous for not really, but you know, it's on every freaking Avengers poster. It seems like, um, and it's kind of funny cause it shows, um, the other Avengers doing that pose, you know, like what, what, uh, Hawkeye looks like in those types of things. So it's super funny. <laughs> yeah. Poor Scarlet. I, yeah, I really hope black widow gets, uh, gets a little bit more love in the next, uh, in the next movie that she's in. See, it's really weird how they do that because in the movies they don't show up so ridiculous, ridiculous like that. Um, the movies I think are believable and they don't get too too overtly sexist. But yeah, a lot of the press materials and posters and shit like that totally does. So it's kind of funny how they 
is that sort of um i don't know dichotomy dichotomy she has the, the least day, the least representation in any press materials for any of the marvel stuff but uh but the representation she does get is overly sexist so <laughs> it's kind of totally kind of ridiculous um we have more mutant news though we actually have quite a bit of mutant news uh we have the uh mutant fight club uh this is this is a, just an interesting article that uh apparently one of the scenes that has recently been shot for the new uh x-men apocalypse movie um has to do with angel um participating in uh underground fight club for mutants so to speak not really a ton of bulk to the article just something that they um that the hollywood reporter posted just out of out of just curiosity i guess um this actually has roots in the comics and that's mostly what the uh article is about that uh they don't talk about a ton these days but but back in the 80s they kind of made references to these these underground mutant fight clubs a little bit more often and so they decided they were going to go ahead and include that in the next movie so be kind of interesting i want to see angel fight bare knuckle yeah me too actually one of the first things i thought when i saw this was um that's I can't remember. I think it was the original X-Men movie. That's how they opened the original X-Men movie was not a mutant fight club, but Wolverine in sort of a cage match style, you know, fight. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. A little bit of throwback to the cinematic universe. And then of course, an obvious throwback to the actual comic books. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and then the you know, last piece of X-Men news. Oh, what? Go ahead. What I was just say before we move on the, actually what this made me think is, there doesn't have to be a plot. There doesn't have to be anything to this movie, except for I would like to see like a whole full hour and a half rendered, you know, Storm versus blah, 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 you know, um, Storm and Gambit going head to head, you know, for, um, you know, 10 minutes and seeing who comes out on top. And then, uh, of course, one of the big ones that would have to be Cyclops and Wolverine, but just an hour and a half of well done, well uh, uh, scripted fights with no plot whatsoever between the different X-Men's, you know, fight club style. Uh, I totally pay to see that. Just, just somebody needs to remake Bloodsport with with X Men characters. Totally. <laughs> um, last piece of X Men news: we have uh, new storm picks from the set of X Men Apocalypse. This isn't really so new. This this actually is an article from about a week and a half ago or so, but um, not a. It's not really. The headline is a little bit misleading. It says Brian Singer reveals new pic of of Storm. It's like a picture of her reflection in a camera. <laughs> yeah, I get the feeling this is the footage in the director's chair or something. It looks a lot like what the director would be seeing in the chair. Um, yeah. But this is quite a bit different. Um, at least different from the Storm you're used to from the previous X-Men installments, which... I like this. This has me excited because Storm was one of my least favorite characters in the previous X-Men uh, um, incarnation. I didn't think she got, uh, uh, I thought she got a little bit mishandled. So how Berry was my least favorite character in the previous X-Men incarnations. Yeah. Um, she, she got some of the worst lines. Like the one that always sticks out to me, like the a sore thumb was in the first X-Men. You know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? Yeah. That line was just so bad. So bad. Yeah. Because she never explained it. Yeah. <laughs> we're Same left, thing we're... as everything else. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Yeah, no, I'm interested in seeing this storm too. Uh, the Mohawk storm, for whatever reason, seems to be the like quintessential, like popular uh, incarnation of storm. Uh, so much so that that is now her current state as well in in the in the current X books. Um, I was always kind of partial to the to the white suit storm because that's that's what she was when I kind of came into it. Plus, I I spent time in my younger days watching the uh, X-Men animated series, which was oh, yeah. also the, the white costume storm. Um, more importantly though, the white costume storm, the first actual X-Men issue that I had was a uh, wizard ash can insert. So it came with the magazine and it was actually uh, X-Men. I don't remember the number of it, but it was, it was part of the Legion quest uh, storyline that led into the age of apocalypse. And and that it had her and her white suit on the cover, and it was it was kind of badass. So uh, while the Mohawk Storm is not necessarily my my favorite, I understand its popularity though, and I'm and I'm excited to see a different direction uh, for the character of Storm going forward in in, in the future X Men franchises. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they went with this particular incarnation of Storm, not just because she's the um, sort of uh, uh, the current Storm, but uh, just mainly to get away from the previous like. The Halle Berry one wasn't cringingly awful in the way that, um, you know, the Deadpool movie is now making jokes about the previous incarnation of Deadpool on the screen. Um, but the Halle Berry storm was bad enough that I could see why they would want to put some distance between them. Yeah. You brought up Deadpool. Yeah. It's Deadpool, interesting man. you should bring that up. <laughs> okay, it's not interesting at all. It's it's we'll just we're gonna pretend I planned that segue smooth as all shit, you know. Anyway. It's a it's a logical segue. Um and honestly, probably by this point, if you're listening to our show, you've probably watched this trailer at least five times uh per day for the last week. Yeah, it's uh, fairly it's a likely bet. It's man, it's that good. I, I'm I'm super excited about this. I'm actually more excited about Deadpool right now. Um than I am about Civil War. <laughs> I mean, and not that I think Civil War is going to be terrible. I think Civil War is going to be great. But this this Ryan Reynolds-driven Deadpool movie is probably going to be the runaway hit of February. <laughs> we'll, we'll give it that anyway. I, I really hope it is. I still, I'm not quite to the point where I think that there there's no chance of failure. Um, one of the other Fox-produced picks we're going to talk about later is uh, a fair example of what can still go wrong, even with a pretty decent trailer. But anyway, um, I'm really excited for this. Like like he said, you've probably already seen this. We've uh, been posting it on the uh, whatever Twitter feed and Facebook feed all week. So um, you've probably seen it. But if you haven't, go watch it. Uh, I really think this is a, a a very good sign for what we could get with a Deadpool uh, movie, and it looks to me like somebody at least gets Deadpool the character. So, yeah, and when we say go watch it, be mindful of who's in the room if you have small children running about, because this is a red band trailer, and it's a red band trailer for obvious reasons. Once you actually start watching it, so yeah. um, keep that in mind. This is this is not going to be the take all the children and and take them all to a movie kind of uh release so i mean unless you're a horrible parent it's true which is fine not, too. not not that we're judging your parenting because i cuss in front of my kids all the time but you know 
I do too. I do too. Um, I'm I'm really tempted to to actually take my 11 year old <laughs> because she did watch the trailer. She thought it was hilarious. Yeah. So, um, um the should we um go ahead? I was going to say before we move on from the Deadpool trailer, we're getting a lot of the funny um, Deadpool fourth wall breaking. Um, you know, badass, you know, Deadpool. Do you think we're going to get any of the more serious Deadpool stuff in there? Yeah. Um, there's been some panels that get posted all the time when you talk about Deadpool. Um, one of my favorite panels actually uh, is the one where, um, I think it's Wolverine sort of calling Deadpool out after he walks away, um, about just being a gutless, heartless mercenary, you know, just here for a paycheck. And the, and then, you know, somebody's saying, no, he, he hasn't cashed a single check yet. He's just basically doing it for the, you know, to help out type of thing. Like that type of stuff, too, I think is a really interesting side of Deadpool. And I hope I hope we see some of that, too, because as much as I think you could just play like an action comedy, uh, that that wouldn't necessarily be entirely uh, um, faithful to the character. Yeah, no, I was I was thinking about this this particular Deadpool that we're going to see and I do think we're going to see a little bit of seriousness but um I mean the fact of the matter is is Deadpool in the comic book representation is not mentally stable no um and I imagine this one probably is going to be played somewhat on the looser side of that but probably not full on paranoid schizophrenic like we see in the comic books um but I do think we're going to see a little bit of seriousness um Ryan Reynolds is such a good choice for this movie. I mean, it, it it's funny because if you think about it, a lot of people only associate him as far as comic book movies with either the, the shitty Deadpool that we saw in X-Men Origins um, or as the Green Lantern. Yeah. Um, both of which get, get made fun of either through the course of the trailers or through the actual movie itself, um, which I think is hilarious. But I, I think one of the things that we forget is that when he's actually put into a character that is supposed to be somewhat snarky and in, in that like when he played Hannibal Kane in in Blade Trinity that was awesome or Hannibal King I'm sorry oh yeah uh, no the, the uh Ryan Reynolds I think is a natural casting choice for Deadpool like um in fact that was one of the only things that they didn't completely fuck up about Deadpool in the Wolverine movie um was casting Reynolds because he absolutely makes perfect sense for the character um, which is kind of, you know, the, the sort of hilariousness about it so much so that it made it into the Deadpool trailer trailer, you know, that they took one of the best things about Ryan Reynolds being cast for that part and, and then, you know, completely destroyed it. Yeah. <laughs> like completely. Yeah. Um, Colossus. That Colossus. was, I, I did not remember that he was supposed to be in this, but, uh, he's very, very much, uh, in this movie. Um, so that's going to be interesting. I wonder, um, it's not the same actor that has portrayed Colossus in the past. Uh, that though, I don't think is because of the fact that they didn't pay attention to casting the, um, the previous actor. And I don't remember his name, honestly, forgive me for that, but he actually had, had sent out a tweet or posted somewhere that his appearance in days of future past would be his last appearance as Colossus. So, um, I don't think this is a a continuity gap or anything like that. I think they just had to recast it. And I think if the X-Men probably need Colossus at any point going forward, it'll probably be this dude. 
Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, I think they are trying to distance themselves a little bit, or um, there are obviously some some big shakeups coming in the X Men universe. Like uh, we've got our last Hugh Jackman appearance coming up pretty soon too. So, I I think Days of Future's Past, um, more than just to retcon out X three, is also there to set up this sort of future for the X Men. So, yeah, yeah, and I think I think they're going in a good direction with it. So, yeah. I agree. Um, We've got a couple other little uh, bits of news. I'm going to let Eddie uh, handle the uh, Battlefront Fighter Squadron mode uh, because I didn't watch this video. <laughs> so, Okay, so it should be said straight off, I was not a massively huge Battlefield or uh, sorry, Battlefront player. Um, he can't even hit me with the darts because we're on Skype, so whatever. Uh, I was not a massively huge Battlefront player. Um when Battlefront 2 was out. Since then, however, I have started playing a, a quite a bit more Battlefront 2, and it's an awesome game. Um, there's lots of awesome parts about it, but uh, anyway, go watch the video. This one is particularly talking about Fighter Squadron mode, which looks super cool, but honestly, it just made me wish for new TIE Fighter games even more. Like, um, my hope is that this is part of a resurgence in sort of some of the classic styles of Star Wars games that used to be coming out. I hope that Battlefront is totally successful and we get to see all kinds of new, cool um, Star Wars games coming out soon. So anyway, check out I that trailer. Love, I would love to see a resurgence of TIE Fighter and X-Wing games. Oh, God, yes. Um, used to play like, the hell out of those games when uh, they were actually around. You throw modern graphics in that and give it an actual storyline. Oh, I don't even know how much I need the storyline. So much as just a, a set of mission checkpoints and all kinds of cool shit I can do in a Tie Fighter or in an X. Granted, that's that that's good too. But think about what like think about all like the books that have come out. The Rogue Squadron series is probably one of the the more successful series of those books. So you can take some of those elements and and turn them into an actual just full on flight simulation battle game I, I think you got something going oh no good point so um also the other thing that i have seen is a a, a teaser that you possibly get to fly the millennium falcon yeah that was in the video i linked there's a little spoilery bit at the end well i guess it's not really a spoiler it's a trailer for christ's sake but um the 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 falcon does come up so uh yeah i'm super excited for that yeah i have a hard time not touching myself when i think about flying the millennium falcon so i'm yeah, just throwing I, that out there i'm even surprised like han and chewie ever got anything done and they weren't just like we gotta do this and then just rubbing the ship and themselves at the same time <laughs> uh so anyway battlefront 3 it's on the horizon <laughs> folks go Check out the trailer and, uh, you know, get your wallets out for when it actually drops. Which Do it. Even so, um, I usually don't buy EA games because EA is generally such a shitty company. But this one I'm probably going to make an exception for. So, Yeah, they really are shitty. Yeah. SimCity 4. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> don't worry. I'm um, sure everybody was thinking that. Yeah. We also have... Harry Potter news. Yeah, this was actually a fun one because I got to tell my uh, kids about this. Um, I know I my think daughter's it's... pissed right now because she's upstairs sleeping and I'm podcasting about Harry Potter. Yeah, I think uh, this came out 
in one of the other episodes we did, but I think I, I, I told you guys how um, me and my family had been watching and we'd actually completed now the entire uh, eight movie series of Harry Potter, um, which is funny because neither of my kids had any interest going in. They were like, oh, no, I don't want to watch that. It sounds like one of dad's stupid dork movies. And they both freaking loved it. Even uh, my wife, Ashley, who's not at all into this type of stuff normally, um, really, really liked the movie. And, and it's funny because our mo- my mother-in-law comes over a lot of the time and watches movies with us when we do movie night. And she was getting into it. Like, they would text me and be like, uh, are we going to miss movie night? We can't really miss movie night this week. I mean, we kind of have to. It's a family thing and blah, blah, blah. You know, because she wanted to watch the next Harry Potter. So... Anyway, that's a long lead-in to say we've cast another uh, role for the new Harry Potter movie, which is, I think, going to be based off of one of the books, as in the in-universe Harry Potter books, um, uh, based on fantastic creatures and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to actually go backward just a little bit to Family Movie Night and just tell everybody right now that Family Movie Night has actually prevented us from podcasting on several occasions. So... Yeah, it's a little That's bit That's how sacred. serious they were about the Harry Potter family movie night. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but yeah, Colin Farrell uh, is actually going to be appearing um, in, in the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Um, he's going to play a wizard that the main character will run into in New York. Yeah. Uh, some... 80 years before uh, the first Harry Potter movie takes takes place. So what do you think about this idea overall? Harry Potter spinoff movie. Um, I'm not against it for one main reason. And that is actually two reasons. Um, JK Rowling actually came back and wrote the screenplay. So the, you, you have the author of Harry Potter um, actively participating in the creation of said spinoff. Um, also, they got David Yates to direct, and David Yates directed um, some of the better of the uh, Harry Potter movies that we've already seen anyway. So the fact that you have some Harry Potter alumni, so to speak, involved uh, gives gives me a lot of hope for it. Yeah, rallying being, rallying being involved adds a certain air of credibility, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, didn't Yates do um, Deathly Hollows? Uh, Yates... Yates did. I think still one of my personal favorites is uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, but I'm pretty sure that was uh, Alfonso Cuaron. Cuaron? Cuaron? Sorry. Yeah. Um, Yates Yates has done at least four movies. He did uh, Order of the Phoenix, Half-Blood Prince, and Deathly Hallows Parts 1 and 2. Yep. There you go. In fact, he did those all consecutively. He did nothing between those. So, um, that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm for it. So half of the original Harry Potter, uh, octet. Yeah. He did. Octology? I don't don't even know what that's going to be. Eh. It's okay. Only a few people will even know that we made a mistake. So another interesting piece that I sort of just picked up on, uh, Ezra Miller, our boy, the flash is going to be in here too. Really? Yeah. The other the other one that I recognize is Eddie Redmayne, and I only recognize it because I just got done watching Jupiter Ascending a couple weeks back, and I <laughs> fucking hated everything about his character. <laughs> um, Eddie yeah. Redmayne's character in Jupiter Ascending. I mean, 
I don't know if his portrayal of that character was his idea or the director's, but I, I found it in just completely terrible, which wasn't to say he was a bad actor, just that they, I hated that character. I hated the way it was directed, written, etc. And he's the lead. He's Newt. There you go. In uh, in this movie, so let's uh, let's hope that it was just bad, bad direction. Yeah, well, there was so many problems wrong with that movie. Um, you could you could have had nothing but uh, um, Oscar award winning actors cast, and it still would have been shit. So now, Jupiter Ascending. Correct me if I'm wrong. That. Wasn't my girlfriend the uh, the lead in that? Yeah, um, it's not well known, but Matt does occasionally see um, Mila Kunis on the side. So, hi Mila, I miss you. You should come <laughs> over dinner sometime. Um, and and when when Eddie says that Matt does occasionally see her on the side, that what what he really means is I occasionally look at pictures of her on the internet because she's smoking hot. Um, and nobody has ever wanted me or made me want to drink Jim Beam more than Mila Kunis. So, <laughs> well, the good news is that this movie may find you wanting to drink even more Jim Beam, so that hopefully you can black out the memory of it. So, if I ever decide I'm going to watch it, I should have a bottle handy. Is what you're saying? Yeah, it, it actually you you could just drink every time something incredibly stupid happens on screen, and boom, you're there. Um, not not the Harry Potter spinoff, by the way. We're we're talking about Jupiter Ascending at this yeah, point. I digress. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, yeah, I'm not really dating uh, Mila Kunis on the side, although I think it's a good thing you clarified at this yeah. point because she's I don't know she's hot, and I think even my wife thinks she's hot. So there you, there you have it. Doesn't she gain um, like more credibility? Like I would think, like if my wife managed to bang T- Channing Tatum somehow, that like I would gain more credibility by proxy. Like I'd be like, dude, what do you mean? My, like my wife's banging Channing Tatum, and she's stuck with me. So you know, like it. I think it would up my, uh, um, I guess credibility. It's so like, you're basing your credibility on Gambit's sloppy seconds. Well, yeah, I mean. It's like if you're in a movie uh, with if you're in, if That's you're in a fair. movie with Tom Hanks, it's you suddenly have a whole bunch of credibility. Like, uh, it's cool, guys. I, I know I was only like you know uh, cab driver number three, but I was in a movie with Tom Hanks. You just you skip the first part and you just say I was in a movie with Tom Hanks. You're like Tom Hanks didn't even ride in my cab, but I was cab driver number three. Yeah. Unfortunately, I had to drive Meg Ryan around. Oh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry Meg. <laughs> Um. All right. I'm gonna take this next topic by the storm or by the horns. By the yeah, we'll have to cut that out. Make yeah. it not shitty. Um, I'm gonna take it by the horns. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about the not so fantastic four. Yeah. Um, there are several links that I have posted. So currently on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, Fantastic Four, the 2015 version, um, is hosting. <laughs> A very generous nine percent rating on the tomato meter. That is the nine percent of the sum total of of critics who have rated this movie that have liked it or given it three and a half stars or or above. Um, audience share not much better at twenty three percent. So um, there's a couple of, of links that I put in here just for comparison. Um, so we've got the twenty fifteen version 
the original Fantastic Four movie starring Jessica Alba and Chris Evans as Johnny Storm got a 27% on the tomato meter. And yeah. a 46%. So twice as many people like the first one as like the new one. <laughs> I I gotta say, when you can't even say, well, at least we were better than the original Fantastic Four. Like, it wasn't like a little bit worse. It seems like it's like colossally worse. Um, yeah. So name name a comic book movie that's been abysmal that in your opinion that you've seen that's just been absolutely terrible. Uh Daredevil Electra. Um some of the Ghost Rider movies. Uh Green Lantern. <laughs> yeah. Ghost Rider. Okay. Green Lantern and Ghost Rider. Let's go with those two. Because I actually have that data right here. Yeah. Green Lantern um actually oh, scored a twenty six percent. That is hilarious because uh I did not I was just pulling those names up. Did not yeah, see them. I do. I do have the data for both of those. Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, quite possibly, is one of the worst comic book movies that I've ever seen in my life. It was terrible. 88 minutes that I have been trying ever so hard to get to get back. Ghost Rider was liked by almost twice as many critics. <laughs> Yeah, here's another funny one. I can't believe this didn't immediately come to mind first when you asked me this question, but now that I see the link, it's like, duh. Uh, Batman and Robin, as in George Clooney, bat nipples, and super terrible puns from Schwarzenegger playing uh, uh, Mr. Freeze, uh, got 11%. 2% better than this movie. So anyway, yes. now, now I kind of... I don't think I'll go see this movie in theater, but now I kind of want to wait and make sure I see it when it comes out. And, like, we should do this together, and we're going to yeah. have to turn it into a drinking game somehow. But um, I don't know. We're, we'll keep we're going to have to because nobody or... else is going to watch this movie with us. Yeah. Um. So to any of you who listened to last week's episode when we talked about possibly uh, going to the theater and coming back and doing a review on the podcast, not going to happen. Yeah. Not going to spend money on something that's this terrible. Um. So, um, I will read a couple of the reviews of this movie, um, as they stand thus far. Scott A. Mance from Access Hollywood says the Fantastic Four reboot is such a colossal disappointment that it makes the Evans Alba version look like the Avengers by comparison. Nice. Pretty sure he means the Avengers um, with Captain America and Thor and whatnot rather than the um, cheesy Ralph Fiennes movie. Uh, Felix Vasquez Jr. from Cinema Cray says, As for this studio tinkered madness, it's a really bad example of what happens when you don't understand the source material and don't care about it. Yeah, again, take this with a grain of salt because we've just discussed the fact that I have not seen this movie and have no plans to relatively soon. But uh, from what I hear, this is another just completely god-awfully horrible characterization of uh, Doctor Doom. So, Yeah. Um, Christopher Orr from The Atlantic says, If you would like to admire the awfulness of Fantastic Four without actually having to sit through it, or if you've already seen the movie and are still reeling from the experience, read on. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stephen Rebello from Playboy. <laughs> The only thing fantastic about this or about it is the miscalculation. Nice. So there's only one review here that I really take exception to. 
And that's Susan Granger from the SSG Syndicate. She says, another failure proving that the Marvel name no longer guarantees blockbuster box office. So here's the deal. Uh, Susan needs to understand that this is not a Marvel Marvel Pictures movie. This is a Fox Studios production of a Marvel property. Um, so not part of the MCU. Disney slash Marvel had nothing to do with its production other than the fact that hopefully at some point the rights will revert back to them and they can do it right. Yeah. Um, and I completely wholly and totally disagree with that statement. The Marvel name these days is practically gold. I mean, people went and saw fucking Ant-Man, which nobody knows about. Uh, uh, same thing with Guardians. Guardians and Ant-Man are way, way, way less popular than the Fantastic Four. I would expect some, most people have at least maybe seen or heard of the Fantastic Four prior to um, the movie, uh, either the 2015 or the um, mid-2000s one. But I absolutely would not have expected them to have even heard of Guardians of the Galaxy and probably not Ant-Man either. Um, and Marvel put asses in seats for those two movies because the Marvel name is something incredibly entirely bankable. The problem is, is that the Marvel name is not allowed to grace this property um, when we're talking about movie adaptations because it's not a Marvel property anymore. Yeah. Um, this is this is one of those sad situations when it where... Warner Brothers, when they bought DC in its entirety, they were just like, well, we're already a movie studio, so we're just going to do the movies ourselves. Um, and Marvel stayed autonomous for a really long time before they were bought outright by Disney. So in order for them to make money, they, they auctioned off a lot of these properties to different studios, uh, to the highest bidder, so to speak. Fox ended up with Fantastic Four and X-Men. And, um, quite honestly, those movies are, as much as I've enjoyed the last couple X-Men movies, it took a long time to get back to that point. And Fantastic Four has never really been uh, high on my list of, of movies that I watch voluntarily. No. Um, and and honestly, this is, this is no fault of any of the characters or actors who portrayed characters in those movies. This is just, um, as this previous review said, when you don't understand the source material and don't care about it, you're not going to produce a quality movie. Uh, I really sad. get the feeling that um, Fox and especially in a lot of their different uh, screw ups that they made with these movies that that is probably the primary reason for their failures there's so much about these things that they just don't get I mean the worst thing I can say about the um, Marvel movies proper is that they're just okay but I never complain because oh man they just don't get the characters or they just don't understand what movie they're making um, whereas Fox that happens I mean, not quite all the time, but kind of all the time with their properties. Um, you know, X-Men is another absolutely one of my favorite, you know, comics, TV shows, etc. And it should be kind of a knock it out of the park, I think, for me in terms of, you know, movies. But yeah, they've they've been hit or miss uh, to, to be polite. Um, and when they miss, they miss really hard, you know, which is quite a bit different from Marvel, where when a Marvel movie misses... Um, in fact, most of the criticism can be leveled probably against, I would say, Thor 1, Iron Man 2. And for me, um, maybe Ant-Man, which I liked, but it just wasn't anything super special in my opinion. Um, but that's the well, worst. I, I think box office is kind of showing that right now with Ant-Man. It's had a pretty rapid decline in, in uh, numbers over yeah. the last week or so, week or two. Um, but the worst thing I can say about them is they didn't blow me away. Like, um, they weren't like amazing to me, 
Whereas the worst, worst things I can say about Fox's take on these and same thing with Sony. Sony is the other, you know, uh, uh, elephant in the room. Cause they've got a couple of Marvel properties, most notably Spider-Man and, uh, yeah, the the lows for these properties outside of Marvel's actual control are pretty goddamn low. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I, this is a discussion that I was actually involved in um, online over the last week, and that is somebody made the comment that uh, as much as Marvel's done, they're not doing anything for women, and that it's sad that DC is going to be the first movie to do a a female lead with Wonder Woman in 2017, um, which a I don't know is that that's entirely true because Captain Marvel is supposed to be somewhere around that area, which is which is completely um, a female lead type movie. Um, but one of the references that was made was that it's the the reason it's sad that DC is is supposedly going to be the first one to do this is because. Wonder Woman, which has been one of the top-selling comic books since her inception, is having to wait until 2017 to to be in a movie, and Marvel can put a machine gun in a raccoon's hand and put $75 million worth of asses in seats its opening weekend. <laughs> so, yeah. um... That, but that's just that's again like you were saying that's the marvel name and so this lady that says that it no longer guarantees blockbuster box office she's completely wrong just in the sense that nobody did know who that fucking raccoon was and yet here we are hundreds of millions of dollars later completely enjoying this tiny little furry creature with bradley cooper's voice yeah um actually to me the criticism more would be should be leveled against dc because if you just say the words female superhero, the name that would immediately, I think, come to pretty much everybody's mind is Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman is one of the biggest DC properties. I mean, she's part of the Trinity, for Christ's sake. Um, so, yeah, it is a little sad to me that Wonder Woman hasn't gotten proper screen treatment. But then again, I think DC has been fumbling a little bit with their whole movie properties. And I, I uh, obviously I'm super hyped for Batman versus Superman, but it, it's a little sad to me that it's taken them this long to get here. Yeah. How many Superman movies has there been? Well, I mean, um, the most recent would be, uh, returns before that. And then there'd be five, right? Like yeah. five in that, in that particular series. Cause I mean, as much as we don't want to admit that Superman three and Superman four were part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Brandon Routh, uh, Superman returns was actually that same character, uh, so to speak. Um, yeah, yeah actually, five of those Superman movies starting in the seventies, and and not one Wonder Woman property. There was a, a series with uh, Linda Carter, Linda Carter that could have been better. There's, <laughs> I mean, there was actually for a while there was a pilot floating around in some pictures, and I can't remember. Uh, there's a there's a picture of the actress. They tried very briefly to reboot Wonder Woman, but as I understand it, the pilot was terrible and basically got killed right away. Yeah, I've seen terrible DC pilots before that are still going into full Super, swing. Supergirl. <laughs> God damn it, it's not the whole thing that's even terrible, but fucking Callista Flockhart, man. I can't uh, can't deal with it. For me, it's James. James Olsen. That one's terrible. Yeah, those two things combined make me want to drink more. Yeah. Ah, who am I kidding? I was going to drink more anyway. 
Yeah, but so, it's nice anyway, to have an excuse. Fantastic Four. Um, it is not our recommendation that you spend money on seeing it at this time. <laughs> yeah. Um, red box it, man. So let's talk. Uh, we got a couple of more DC news things. Um, so let's talk Vandal Savage. Vandal Savage. Yeah. Vandal Savage is a terrible, terrible immortal person. I, I was going to refer to him as a human being. I don't know if that's necessarily entirely true. Um, but we have a Vandal Savage that's been cast for Legends of Tomorrow now. And um, if you use the link that we provide that kind of shows a side-by-side of the actor versus the character, uh, at least appearance-wise, it looks like we've got a, a solid, solid casting yep. choice for this one. So have you ever heard of this guy outside of this particular role? Vandal Savage? Well, uh, yeah, of course you've heard of Vandal Savage. Or, or of, of the actor. Yeah, the actor. Uh, Casper Crump. No. <laughs> Neither have I. He's a dame. Um, yeah. I won't hold on against him. Just kidding. Danish people. Um, yeah, I've never heard of this guy either, but, you know, so so far just going off of looks, it's just spot on, especially because we're seeing a more modern Vandal Savage. And I do hope that at some point they dive a little bit back into Vandal Savage's history because that could be super fucking interesting. Vandal Savage, um, if you're unfamiliar, he was a caveman. I mean, he started off as a caveman, I think... Um, just post Neanderthal, you know, like the first breed of Homo sapiens caveman level. And, uh, he, I can't remember exactly what the story was. Um, I want to say, uh, meteors or some shit like that flew over the earth and he investigated and, uh, basically gained immortality and, and a little bit of smarts as it were. So, um, Vandal Savage has been alive for basically forever. Um, so there's a lot of interesting things you could do with that. Um, so I'm hoping they'll delve a little bit deeper into his backstory. Yeah, Vandal Savage actually... Um, Vandal Savage was a character that played a role in a couple different comic books uh, that I've read over the years. Um, most notably, one of his, his uh, more recent appearances has been in... Um, a title that that DC launched when they started the new 52 called Demon Knights. Mm-hmm. Uh, Etrigan the Demon is actually one of the main characters. Vandal Savage is actually very prominent in it, though. Um, and while I never actually read the series to completion, uh, they did end it after... Shoot. How, I don't want to say they did more than 30 issues. I don't even know if they did that many. 23, I think, is probably where they, where they made it to. Um kind of kind of cool because it actually does focus a lot more on on older uh vandal savage history and things like that uh one of the things that i think makes vandal savage so ridiculous evil uh when it comes down to it is at least in the origin that i understand it and this is actually from some issues of the flash that i read um which take place just after wally west takes over uh the 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 mantle of of the actual flash so it's post-crisis um, he has to deal with, with Vandal Savage and he eats organs of his, not children. So to speak. I mean, I guess he would, um, but I mean, they, they have to be descended from him and that's, that's part of how he maintains his immortality is he finds them and he eats their organs. Um, so that's pretty fucking mean. 
yeah. and, and brutal and kind of, yeah. Yeah. Had a cousin who did that. We uh, don't invite him to reunions anymore. I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so another, just if you're lazy and you don't want to read the comic books, I believe in the animated DC movie, Justice League Doom, uh, Vandal Savage is the big bad in there too. So you could go get familiar with the character a little bit through that if you wanted to too. But anyway, um, that's it for Vandal Savage, I think. Yeah. How about some Flash news? Yeah. Flash news this wow. week. Oh man, it's so exciting. Jay Garrick. Jay Garrick. Um, I really, really love the promo pick. So what we're talking about actually is the Flash promo pick um, from season two coming out. And what it is is a side by side. You can see an original episode of the Flash, uh, number one twenty three, if the picture is to be believed, um, in which uh, the Flash, Barry Allen's Flash, and Jay Garrick team up. And they basically did the same thing, except for with um, the you know real life characters, the um, Barry Allen portrayed by Grant Gustin and uh, uh, Jay Garrick in real life, um, whose actor's name escapes me at the moment, but it looks amazing. And it, yeah. I, I think I was really having a hard time seeing how they're going to fit Jay Garrick, especially Helmet and all, into the series. But this looks pretty cool. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how that goes too, and. I, I hope that it allows us to explore the possibility that there are parallel universes out of there out here. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to explore the parallel universe idea too is just because in the last episode we talked about the potential of, of Tom Welling possibly coming in as Superman. Yeah. And there's a lot they could do with a parallel universe to explain why our Oliver Queen is not the same as the Smallville Oliver Queen um same thing with the flash in fact the flash character is actually pretty easy to explain because when he was introduced he had a wallet that was full of ids that had about every name that the flash has ever gone by and variations of and mixtures of and things like that so he doesn't necessarily have to be this flash and to you know i mean it it's not unrealistic to think that there there's been a couple different people with this kind of power and stuff and and now that we actually have a flash that's explaining more traditional, you know, flash lore and things like that. I'm, I'm totally happy with Grant Gustin being the flash for Tom Welling, Superman, uh, things like that. I'm still not banking on this actually happening, but it'd be pretty cool. Oh yeah. I think, um, and actually you can kind of see what they did that in the actual comic book universe where we get multiple different flashes and multiple different parallel universes. It's because, it's fun to explore these different types of um, ways that you can portray the character. Um, so, you know, the, as you were talking, the thing that just popped up into my head, you mentioned the multiverse and uh, um, or alluded to the multiverse and having different characters. And I immediately thought Tom Welling could come back as Superboy. Um, I, I don't know. Tom Welling has gotten a little bit older, obviously, since Smallville has ended. But um, I think he's 40. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that would be a little bit funny having him come back and be like, no, I'm 15. Seriously, it's fine. Uh, he's at least a year older than me, and I'm 37, so he's, nice. he's right there. Um, so anyway, that, that, that just occurred to me as one idea. you know, Or you could portray that whole Smallville run as sort of being the super boy, super boy of a separate universe. Um, and that's how you tie it into um, having a Superman in uh, the Flash uh, current flash universe which like i said before on the previous episode i don't really care how they do it i just think it'd be cool and i want to see it so do it make it happen <laughs> yeah um 
All right. So I guess while we're on the DC thing and and the Flash, we should talk a little bit about Stephen Amell. Yeah, the Green Arrow has been up to some shenanigans this week. So I'll let um, yeah. Matt take this one because this is more up your area of expertise, I would think. <laughs> um, so Stephen Amell has been um, called out several times by WWE superstar uh, Stardust, also known as Cody Rhodes, son of the late Dusty Rhodes. And uh, most notably, uh, this past Monday, the 10th, in Seattle, Stephen Amell was invited uh, to Monday Night Raw um, as a as a spectator, and it uh, it broke down pretty quickly. Okay, it didn't. It took like two two and a half hours to get to this point. But um, Stardust came out and actually physically assaulted Stephen Amell while he was in the front row. Stephen Amell immediately jumped the barricade, jumped the top rope into the ring, and took Stardust down and beat the holy crap out of him. Obviously, this is professional wrestling. We understand it's a work. Uh, but what it boiled down to is that at SummerSlam, Stephen Amell will tag up with uh, WWE superstar Neville um, to take on the team of Stardust and Wade Barrett. So uh, Stephen Amell looks like uh, it looks like he gets to live out his childhood dream and actually be in a uh, top level event for the WWE and they get to make a lot of money because people that don't watch wrestling but watch era regularly will probably watch it because of that uh gotta say I have not watched wrestling since probably sophomore or junior year um and I'm 30 something now so uh but yeah I'm probably going to tune in for this or some portion of this um you can already see this a little bit if you want to check it out now you can see sort of the interaction um if you go check out Steven's Twitter or his Facebook um he's at Ameli A-M-E-L-L-Y Wood um W-O-O-D Ameli Wood on Twitter um and he's it's been super fun following him in the last couple of days because you can tell like he's really really enjoying his job right now um so yeah uh, I'll I'll probably tune into this even though I haven't really been a regular wrestling watcher for quite some time um just because it it looks like a ton of fun and if nothing else it it looks like a lot of fun just to watch Stephen Amell uh, um get to do something like this so yeah yeah and it and it honestly what I what I have to say as far as everything goes when when he jumped the barricade and then he kind of jumped up onto the onto the ring apron and then just vaulted over the top rope and and went after uh stardust i was like man he is into this oh yeah so, I, um, I never for a second like um we we talked about this in the previous episode i think we were talking about you you speculated we'd probably do a tag match um which obviously you nailed um because he's not a professional wrestler um but he comes across so well um in that you know five second interaction where he actually gets to hit, hit, get in the ring um, so I'm I'm very hopeful for the quality of the match we're gonna get out of this. Yeah, um, I I had heard reports that that his tag team partner was gonna be Sting uh, for something like this, which would have been oh so awesome. Um, not not happening. Uh, but Neville Neville is actually so the the backstory with him is is he's actually an English I think he's from England um, wrestler. He's he's very small in comparison with other wrestlers and he has a finishing move called the red arrow. So yeah, tri- that's triple H's line. There was pretty fucking awesome by the way. 
yeah, they've they've been making a lot of references about the green arrow and the red arrow and and this that, and the other thing. So um, it's 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 gonna be fun, and that's obviously I'm a, I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of pro wrestling, but I I take it with a grain of salt because I know it's a work. Um, I don't take anything away from the athleticism of of the people that that put on the show, um, but I know when I tune in every day, uh, the storylines have been written and that the outcomes have been determined prior to uh i apologize if anybody listening to this doesn't know that but it's pretty common knowledge at this point so um i just i like to put myself in a position where i can suspend my disbelief for a couple hours at a time and just enjoy it so that's me that's what i do and this is the perfect type of thing that you could tune in for because this this is going to be that same thing for me exactly um, like I said, I haven't, I haven't, and I don't really watch pro wrestling, but I'll probably tune into this because it just, it looks like a lot of fun. So anyway, uh, go, go check out the videos. Um, I don't think we have anything in the show notes, but I'll try to get a, a link for the, um, actual posting, um, where you can see Stephen Amell take down Stardust and, and see, um, Stephen Amell go all green arrow badass up, up against Triple H telling him to make him a match. So, uh, the, the, the confrontation between ML and Triple H is actually on our Facebook page. Um, yeah. Even if we don't find a, a direct link to it. So you can find that one there. The the other link where he actually takes down Stardust, I think, is only on my Facebook page. But we, we'll, we'll see what we can do for you. Yeah. So um, what else we got? Man, I almost should have covered the other piece first because this is, this is kind of, I don't want to say it's a downer. Not nearly as exciting for me, though. Um, okay, no, that's a lie. I am excited. Um, Eddie posted a link about Winona Ryder confirming that there will, in fact, be a Beetlejuice 2. I believe since Eddie posted this link, also Michael Keaton has come forward and confirmed his involvement as well. I did at least briefly read something to that effect, yes. So, we get Beetlejuice 2. Um, I don't want to say it's a downer, because it's not. It it really is exciting that after so many years, we're getting um, a sequel, not a reboot. That's important. Because normally, this day and age, a movie that old is just going to get rebooted. They're doing a sequel for this. And I think that says something um, to the job that Michael Keaton did, especially in the in the first movie. Probably not going to get Alec Baldwin back for it. I don't suspect. Uh, but I don't know. And who knows what Gina Davis is up to. Besides <laughs> from being really tall. <laughs> but uh, what? how do you feel about Beetlejuice? Oh, I loved it. I loved it as a kid. This is probably one of the movies that's going to come up for movie night, except for I'm a little afraid that they're going to be too terrified of certain things. And, you know, um, but yeah, I, I'm super jo- jazzed for this. Um, like you said, uh, maybe more excited for uh, Amel on uh, SummerSlam, but I, I think this is still going to be super fun. And like you said as well, I'm happy to see that they're not going for a straight reboot, but rather a continuation um, because I, I just don't think it's been, you know, like there's no reason to reboot this. This is one of the things that sort of annoys me with Hollywood lately is there's not a reason to reboot this movie. If you can get everybody on, on board, there's no reason you should reboot the franchise or I shouldn't say franchise. There's one movie for crying out loud, but, um, there's no reason to reboot it. So I'm excited to see that they're going with a continuation instead. Yeah. Yeah. I know that the reboots have gotten a little bit out of hand. Um, I'm kind of waiting for them to reboot Borat just 
Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, why not? Right. No, in all seriousness, um, don't, don't reboot everything. Um, this is, this is an interesting, uh, side note too. I've been recently listening to a podcast called, uh, Hollywood Babylon with Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman. And I went back and started listening from the beginning, which was five years ago. And, uh, in all honesty, they kind of do what we do in terms of talking about current movies, things like that. Um, some of the movies that were in development five years ago that haven't seen the light of day are unfucking believable. Uh, one of the ones that, that, uh, was talked about in one of the first few episodes was a reboot of Back to the Future starring Justin Bieber as Marty McFly. <laughs> but don't, um, even, even then, before everybody had basically in unison agreed that Justin Bieber is a giant douche, even then, when was that ever a good idea? Never. Like, exactly. Why? Look at Michael J. Fox and what he's done even since being diagnosed with Parkinson's you don't want to tarnish that legacy by rebooting it because you're never going to find anybody who's going to be Marty McFly. That's not Michael J. Fox. And that's just the way it is. Same thing with doc Brown. Who's going to be doc Brown. There's nobody in the world that's going to capture doc Brown the way that Christopher Lloyd did. It's not going to happen. See, but that's, that's the thing I think is that, why are we, why why reboot this to begin with if if you you can go back and watch those movies today and they're still totally fucking brilliant like they're still amazing movies there's not like and they hold up um, remarkably well i mean obviously there are some few things about them that um you know time has sort of borne out you know like there aren't really any cell phones in in the future that i recall but uh the movies hold up so well. There's no reason at all to reboot them. So that that's just something that's always struck me is, you know, why even bother? You're not going to get better than the original for one and for two. Why why reboot them? Like, there's no reason for that. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and and just I'm gonna say these movies hold up so well that Back to the Future Two, the future scenes took place in the year 2015. That's the year that we're currently in right now. And when they got there, the Chicago Cubs had just won the World Series for the first time since 1908. Eddie, the Chicago Cubs are in playoff contention right now. They could actually be in the World Series and win it. And, and, Lexus announced a functional hoverboard. Lexus, the car manufacturer. Okay, so it's kind of a trick because I believe it works on, like, maglev technology and you can only do the hover part over um, certain surfaces. But... Hoverboard, Back to the Future called that shit in 1985. Yeah, or it was probably like 89 by the time Back to the Future, or 88 by the time two came out. But still, I I haven't taken my 2007 Chevy Malibu in for the hover hover conversion yet. But I mean, I'm sure it's only a matter of time. It's got to be. I mean, <laughs> so anyway, um, that's just that that that. I, I thought that was kind of a an, an interesting little um, insight. Some of the movies that they talk about having been in development and other movies that actually did get made, but with early, early casting news that didn't pan out, things like that. Um, like they, they, they talk a little bit about Tom Hardy being cast in The Dark Knight Rises only at that time. They had no idea what character he was going to play. And they had a completely different actress in mind. Um, and I don't remember her name at this point uh, to play Catwoman. 
<laughs> so just just the different things. It's it's fun to listen to uh, five years later and, and see just what Hollywood got wrong. Um, and to see what, what they thought they were doing right at the time, but it turned out to be complete shit. Yeah. So, plus Kevin Smith is funny, and so is Ralph Garman. Ralph Garman is actually the star of that show. I love Kevin Smith. I'm a big fan of his work, have been for years and years and years. But Ralph Garman is one of the few people that I've ever seen actually do a podcast with Kevin Smith that can keep him in check. So, which is impressive in itself. Yeah. So, um, anyway, you got anything else before, before we, uh, we wrap it up? No, I, I think that's about it for me this week. So, um, I'm going to start doing something at the end of the show. Um, as far as comic books go, and I'm going to throw out some recommendations for reading, um, one, one per show. This week's recommendation is going to be Batman Year Three. Uh, Batman Year Three was published um, August through September of 1989. It actually takes place over the issues of Batman numbers 436 through 439. Um, written by Marv Wolfman, uh, penciled by Pat Broderick, and the covers were actually all done by um, George Perez. Uh, George Perez is well known for having done art in the early 80s, I believe, for the Teen Titans uh, title um, that he and Marv created. And then Marv Wolfman and George Perez uh, collaborated together. Um, in fact, George Perez even got writing credits for the 12-issue maxi-series Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was published from January to December 1985. Um, so check that out. It actually explores um, the relationship between Bruce and Dick Grayson immediately after Bruce um, takes Dick Grayson in from the circus accident. Uh, those three issues are, or four issues are pretty important in terms of their um, their time. Uh, I believe we also see the introduction of Tim Drake as, as, uh, Robin or no, not as Robin, just as Tim Drake when Bruce, when Bruce picks him up. So, uh, Batman's kind of still reeling from the effects of Jason Todd's death in these issues. Um, it's a pretty important series in, in the, in the overall scheme of the, the Batverse, so to speak. So, um, go check it out. Batman issues 436 through 439 there. If, if you don't have access to the actual issues, I believe DC has some digital archives, um, that are probably available for download, um, through their, their site, um, or some apps or something. I don't, I don't have all the information, but if you're into comic books and you want to read them, you'll find a way. Yeah. All right, everybody. I think that's the show for this week. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter, whatever at whatever show. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash whatever show. Um, send us questions and hate mail and so on. Questions at whatever.co. Um, is there anything else we need to plug? We, um, we ha- we're on Stitcher. Sure. You can find us on Stitcher. If you want to help out the show, the best way to do it right now is probably to go on iTunes, leave a review, give us five stars and all that good stuff, too. And of course, share us with your friends. So, yeah, um, nothing. I don't have anything else. Yeah, I'm tapped out, man. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks. Have a good weekend. Good weekend. Good week. Good Be week. a nerd. Good. Have fun. Yeah.